0: Welcome back to another edition of the Internet's most dangerous Tottenham Hotspur podcast. It is Wheeler Dealer Radio. I need to translate that into Italian one day and just read that out at least because we're gonna have a, we're gonna have big tone here for a while. But in the meantime, we are back to talk about a convincing two to one win against Leeds United by Tottenham Hotspur uh, this week. It is Thanksgiving in America, so our schedules are completely out of whack. I don't know what that would be in Britain. Is that Boxing Day without another holiday attached to it? I'm not sure. So joining me this week, back again, hopefully on a semi-regular basis, is our old friend Michael uh, Cayley. Michael, thanks for joining us. Me. There's no one else. Thanks for joining me.
1: I'm I'm glad to be here. A happy uh, Guy Fox Day to you.
0: <laughs> There you go. That'd be Guy Fawkes boxing tea. I don't know what other obscure. I, I learned
1: recently, and this does make more sense, but I learned recently that they're celebrating him not blowing up Parliament rather than him trying to blow up Parliament, which is kind of what I had like processed the holiday in my head as
0: well not only uh, are we Americans but we are American nerds of a certain age so our first introduction to that was V for Vendetta, <laughs> the the comic not the not the uh movie so yes it, it's we have a bit of a skewed perception of that I don't know what Thanksgiving would be to the Eng, to the English uh like a bank holiday where you eat a pheasant I'm not I'm not sure what the English equivalent <laughs> this would be but we all be, we all get together with our families and eat just frankly obscene even for american standards amounts of food and watch american football while we fall asleep on the couch it's it's actually a pretty good it's, holiday it's
1: the best holiday because it's based entirely on gluttony yes. there's no other like activity or sense or you know mortal sin that is involved it's just gluttony well and the so real I'm really looking forward to it i'm, I'm, I'm making a uh Making a squash pie, oh. I've been making this a couple of years because so like a like a pumpkin pie. Pumpkin is you know there's like pumpkin has no flavor to it. You can buy canned pumpkin at the store, but you can just like roast squash and get and you know get the actual flavor of the of the vegetable in there with the
0: spices and the cream. So I'm I'm excited about it. Well someone pointed out an advantage to this uh, Thanksgiving that I had had not occurred to me, which is the right-wing uncle who's gonna have uncomfortable conversations with you about politics won't be there because not only, Will he have COVID and not be able to attend? But he is probably in jail for his tourism at the uh, Capitol building last (laughs) January. So this could be a much more Uh, restful Thanksgiving than normal for most of us.
1: Or it brings everyone together.
0: (laughs) Well, the the ones you want together, at least, this year. So, yeah, uh, enough about our American holidays. I'm sure our British listeners are furious that is you I'm talking about, unfit for purpose. Uh, but before we really get into it, uh, please follow us on our Twitter feed, at WDR Podcast, and leave us a five-star review uh, on iTunes. Bonus, we'll, we'll read it out if you could somehow give us a five-star review that references Thanksgiving or squash pies. How about that? So, uh, yes, now we have uh, actual football to talk about. It was Leeds or was Tottenham 2, Leeds United 1. This was... Quite literally, I mean, they're always a game of two halves, I guess, quite literally. But it was uh, it was a strange game. I was talking to Ben about it after it, and he said something interesting to me where he's like, he didn't fully enjoy it because he was so mad after the first half. And it's been so long since he's had faith in a Spurs manager to actually turn things around in the game that he just like was unable to appreciate the fact that we look completely different in the second half. It, it was not only a game of two halves, but... When we've heard Conte talking after the match, it kind of made sense why it was so different in the two halves. Um, don't you think, Michael? Yeah, I mean I mean just to sort of put some numbers on it, what was
1: it? They 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 like the shots the shots went from like eleven to three in the first half to you're, you're basically just about the reverse of that in the second half. The X G Spurs had like they had, like, 0.3 XG in the first half, and that ended up with, like, nearly two on the game. It was just two completely different games in terms of, like, chance creation and danger. And yeah. the way that Conte talked about it after the game was kind of interesting that he said that he was sort of worried about their fitness because, like— one of the things, like when you when you have a game of two halves, you kind of like okay, what was like the big tactical change and the substitution and what and, and that didn't happen. Like there were some there were some tweaks, you know, you know, you you could see Heuber be being pushed a little bit higher up and stuff like that. But like for the most part, what just happened, I, I think that uh, that that uh, Regulon talked about this a little bit in his post game that like Conte asked them to man mark more, and so. Leeds, who are man-marking you and pressing you all over the pitch, and they're set up in sort of, you know, relatively parallel 3-4-3s, three, Tottenham just was like, okay, we'll just man-mark you back, <laughs> and we're better, and Leeds got a little bit tired, and Tottenham ha- had more energy, and so, you know, suddenly you've got both and and, and and Emerson really pushing up on Leeds's wing backs, and the midfield really pressing up, and, and, and Spurs created a bunch of chances just by winning the ball high. And, like, it wasn't – there, there it was no kind of, like, genius tactical adjustment. It wasn't like, you know, wow, look at Antonio Conte's football brain working. <laughs> but at the same time, like, that that kind of is what a football brain working looking like. Look- I guess we'll just press them man to man and press them higher and like beat them at their own game. You don't need to like drill lots of complex stuff when you have like a simple tweak that gets you, gets you the upper hand.
0: Well, I thought it was interesting that he was so reluctant. and It made me feel a lot better, honestly, about the first half performance. That it was born out of this. I don't think you're fit enough to do what clearly I think he knew we needed to do to win this game. And I don't know if that's born out of the fact that it's Leeds United who are like very known for their how much they run and press during matches, or if it was just he's had them for two weeks and he is terrified um, about what our ability, what our physical capabilities are. But I also think the interesting thing regarding that is he seems much more willing to bring a man on, like like he subbed off, I think boat or no, he subbed off Regulon, but he kept he was bringing guys on just to keep legs fresh it didn't seem like tactical adjustments it's like here's Sanchez here's Regulon, or here's um Sessegnon, and it's just like I'm just keeping you guys fresh and apparently um from some listening I've been doing I think it was on the extra inch this is something he does where it's you know I'm going to keep this position up to speed by just subbing guys out to keep it fresh and that's seems really simple but the the more I thought about it the more I was thinking like I don't think a lot of managers actually like barring an injury that they're managing like actually do that very often so yeah you know, again it's like you said it's like it's we think about you know Conte just devising these like passing triangles and master players and sometimes it's like what if we press them hard and also we had players fit enough on the pitch to press them hard um, but we also haven't seen that and like three years, I guess, at this point. So it's been, it was nice to watch. I mean, that second half I thought was really enjoyable. I don't think, at no point did I feel seriously under threat from Leeds in that half.
1: Yeah, and 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 you could see the players, like, working out a few of his, like, attacking patterns. And, you know, K- Conte very much, I, th- I think that, you know, he's not someone who's drilling, like, you know, he's not someone who is drilling we de to position he's like <laughs> there are a couple of ways that you're going to move the ball forward that work and like get yourselves into the right position so you can do a couple of those things and we've got wingbacks who can run on and make that work and we and, and, and we've got forwards who can combine and make that work and i still think that those things are going to work a lot better with better passers coming out of the back
0: Yes, and
1: it's still like, you know, at some point, you know, the deal with Antonio Conte is not that he's going to play all of the best players. It's that he's going to see something in the set of players that and and figure out how to make their skills work for what he wants. So, you know, maybe some of these guys aren't going to get there. But like it seemed clear to me, even in the second half that like. This team is going to need more passing out of midfield to make everything work the way it should.
0: Now, I do think it should be said that I think regardless of that, the way he's using the wingbacks, I think, is going to be key to this team. And I'm very encouraged by that. And, it, you know, I think Regulon has had some less than great moments under Con. I mean, he's looked rough, I'd say, for the last year, calendar year. And I think he had some rough moments this week, but you could see how Conte's going to use him. And it's, it's exciting to see what we're doing. And Emerson, in particular, I think is such a great attacking outlet in a way that I think we're a little unused to seeing out of fullbacks. We're used to them like bombing forward or what have you. But it was, I'm really excited about how we're using our wingbacks. Um, that said, that said there's a lot of work to do, and I think one of the problems that we're going to have in regards to our our midfield is when we get those guys up to speed. I I do think there's an element right now of he is using the players who are fit, but Skip was out for this game, and we got Winks. We didn't get in Dombele. I don't entirely. Conte made some comments this week, basically that. As some people have basically have interpreted as as Conte calling Indombi fat. I took them to be he's Conte can't rely on him to do those pre, those pre described things that you were talking about in a minute ago. What did you make of Winks getting the nut? If Skip's going to be out and we're just going to accept as a given that right now he needs guys who are up to speed and been playing and fit and all that, and he's going to play Skip if he's healthy. But what did you make of? Winks, getting the nod if skip would skip out like yeah I
1: mean I mean Conte i I, I also took Conte's st- statement the way that you did he, he said dombely he has talent but he has to put it into the team for the team not for the single player every single player has to know what he has to do if every player just runs around the pitch it will be a mess i I, I took that as these are there are tactical instructions that position requires that Conte is, does not feel that Ndombele has shown that he is managing at this point in training. And I think that, you know, I don't know. It, 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 let's you have, like, one of the, like, four or five best managers in the world, and they're still, like, they now have their reasons for not starting the player that I think should be starting, it's kind of like, well, you've kind of proven that you add wins to your teams. And... <laughs> Back when there were guys doing this who, like, were taking something off the table, you know, so I don't know. I don't think that this means that Ndombele can't start for him. I think that he has very particular demands that he is making that one hopes that Ndombele will meet because the team is going to be a lot better if they haven't, if it has Ndombele in those positions and also using the skills that he has rather than, you know, Winks in those positions using
0: his much more limited set of skills.
1: I thought Winks was fine. I
0: thought, I mean, like, Conte said it at the end of the game, not great in the first half, much better in the second half. I think if I was to hazard a guess, he probably can give Winks simple instructions that Winks is willing to willing and able to follow, whereas it's a combination with, like, I'm we're focusing on Ndombele because we're guessing Lo Celso is still gassed after his international duty, but... My guess is with Ndombele, either he's not absorbing the instructions entirely, which is something that's been alluded to by other managers, or he's trying to drill him in a more long-term philosophy, and this with Winx is like, okay, well, you can play this week because these are some simple things I need you to do, and I don't want to mess up what I'm trying to teach Ndombele. Maybe that's fan fiction on my part. I don't know. But in the short, I think regardless, I think he knew he could count on Winx to do some very simple things, you know in the way he wanted them done whereas i guess he couldn't do that with Ndambele but you're right i think we're crying out for some more incisive passing out of that midfield
1: yeah yep yeah. and the other thing that i think is you know the, the remains the question with this team is that Kane and Son combined for six shots and yes. 0.8 xg like that they didn't get a goal and and son had that 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 penalty shout as well that that and so like you got Kane and Son in the penalty area getting shots, which has been the main problem with this team this season. We can talk about lots of other stuff, and we can talk about you know not having the right midfield and stuff, but Kane and Son both have gotten into the penalty area and gotten shots for Tottenham when there hasn't been a midfield. And this season, they have not been doing that. This This season... Yeah, you know, four goals, bet- five, five goals between them now is just not nearly enough in the minutes that they've been playing. And, and, their, and, their, and their XG matches that. These guys have not been putting up shots at the rates that we need. And so this second half, we saw them actually do that. And like, that's going to be the thing that makes or breaks Conte and makes or breaks this season is, is their production.
0: Well, I thought in a lot of ways this game sort of was a good example of where Spurs are right now. Like, on the one hand, we saw how much work there is left to do because I think you could see, I mean, you're, you're saying not only how we played in the first half when there was like fitness issues and what have you, but, you know, in the second half, you could see they're creating chances. They're doing things that, you know, they're, do, they're doing better. Exactly what you're saying about Son and Kane. And, so, you see how far we have to go, but you can already see what a difference Conte's made in like, what, two weeks, three weeks, however long it's been. And he hasn't even had the full squad that time. I, mean, I think it's going to be slow going. I think January is going to be, I think he'll have the team for a week where no one's on international break in January and where uh, we don't have any games to play. So, I mean, a lot of this is going to have to be done in season, but. I, mean, I don't know, like, it, it's very weird to go from the Spurs team where you're just kind of hoping things work out despite all evidence to the contrary to, like, we have one of the five best managers of the world. And, you know, I thought it was funny, the reaction before the game when Winx was starting. We were all, like, we were all agitated about it, but at the same time, it was like, well, it's Conte. You kind of have to trust him in a way that we haven't trusted a manager. It's hard to say
1: with Conte what we expect to see with this team, Because he's taking over a team in midseason, which he hasn't done in years. And he usually, when he takes over a team, takes a significant period of time to settle into what the thing he's going to do is going to be. And then once he settles into it, he locks it in for months and months. And so at some point, we're going to see that. And until we're seeing that, I have a quite a bit of leeway for him and quite a bit of uncertainty about what it's going to be and whether the things he's doing right now signal what that thing is going to be. So at the moment I kind of feel like we've had four of football in the Premier League under him and only one of them has been good. And like I'm not sure how much I can see the progress as if the most recent half was the one good one of the four. I think it's good. I, I I think it's going to take time. Just doing a little bit more that gets a little bit more out of Kane and Son that can carry us for a while until he settles on whatever the thing is going to be.
0: Yeah, and I mean there is gonna it's gonna be interesting probably from just like a footballing brain perspective of like how does. How does Conte balance getting the team where he wants it to be and treading water, keeping his head above water at the same time? Which we haven't really seen Conte do since, what, Atlanta when he was there? I mean, it's been a very long time since Conte's had to do this. So I, I don't know. It's interesting. But if there's anyone who's going to get us in the top four, I think it's him because it's, it's a lot of teams are having more problems than we thought they were going to have this year. Leicester <laughs> uh, looks like a fraud. United is a complete train wreck. I mean, it's. It, I think it's open in a way that none of us thought it would be.
1: Yeah, I mean, right now, like, I mean, this weekend, West Ham lost, and they stayed in fourth place by two points. And when you look at the quality of the teams playing right now, West Ham are that much better than everyone else <laughs> and should be in fourth place with a bit of a buffer. And, you know... That West Ham team is not going to be easy to beat, honestly, but it being that West Ham team that's not gonna be easy to beat rather than what we thought was a united team that was pretty well above the next that it was you know that you had you had a top three and then you had United and then you had some mess of the rest and it's not united and West Ham is playing better than we expected, but like that is a that is a much more open opportunity, given yeah. That, United fell off and only West Ham really jumped into the, in, into that breach.
0: Well, Leicester never really making a seat, like just being worse than us. You know, it's, it's, it's really delightful. And I don't know, maybe it's my Spurs brain. At Arsenal. Yeah. Arsenal. God. <laughs> they had, I, I I can't believe it seemed like Arsenal fans were genuinely convincing themselves. They were going to give Liverpool a run for their money this weekend. And <laughs> isn't but, what happened at all?
1: I mean, not just Arsenal fans. Like, Arteta, that was what they set out to do. They set out to, like, play in possession and play out of the back, and they kept getting pressed and pressed and pressed, and it went really badly.
0: Who who could have seen that coming? Oh, it's, I don't know. The, the Arteta thing, I, I'm very glad that Spurs aren't, like, doing a version of that, where it's like, look at our young, up-and-coming, unproven manager, who is, wouldn't this be a great narrative if it turned out to be true, and we're just going to, keep assuming it's going to turn out to be true and keep doubling and tripling down on this incredibly weird roster construction. Uh, Yeah. I don't know. You hate to see it. You you really, you really hate to see it happen to Arsenal. (laughs) The other really weird. I mean, let's just get into it now. Since I guess we're talking about the table around us. United follow United fired Solskjaer. Uh, Was it yesterday? This week with an extremely weird I can't believe they made him sit down for an interview after they fired him like that just I get they're trying to be nice but (laughs) if you try to be nice here's somebody just go away we don't have to talk to you anymore um now they're being seriously linked with Pochettino which doesn't bother me as much as I thought it would mostly because we have a really good manager in place man I don't know like part of me is a little my ass is a little chap that like if he wanted out that badly why didn't he why wasn't he able to make something happen this summer? I don't know if it's purely, you know, United have more resources to prime loose than we do. He wants to go to United more than us. Or maybe PSG's just like sick of Pochettino in a way they weren't back in the summer. My my gut reaction would say that PSG is going to make him stay for the year because they don't want to be embarrassed by losing their manager midseason to United. But I don't know. The whole thing seems extraordinarily messy. And it, everyone seems to be overlooking the fact that I think is really ill-suited for this Man United team. Like, that's a mess under the best of circumstances, and now he's got, like, Ronaldo, who's too old to do anything up front. So, like, another team with, like, big egos where he can't put his pressing style into place doesn't seem like a great fit to me. Yeah, it's
1: it's very unclear what's going to happen. and It's clear that Pochettino wants to leave. Pochettino wanted to leave and go to Spurs. Like, I don't know what's wrong at PSG. They give you all the money in the world and all these great players and you live in Paris and everyone hates it. Like, something is deeply wrong at that club in some weird way that just has not been reported out the way I... Maybe Leonardo's just a monster. That's my current hypothesis. That would be the simplest explanation. He just, like, manages up to the Emir really well and...
0: Is just awful to everyone b- below him, and you combine that with the weird expectations they have. Like, cause it seems like a lot of the pressure Pochettino is getting is like, you have all this talent, why aren't we like whooping the shit out of teams eight nil in the Champions League? And yeah, you know, but like,
1: so, so who, do, so like, in, I'm just saying, like, in terms of predicting where and when. Pochettino is going to leave. I mean, who the heck knows? And PSG can just like turn down money as they did for Mbappe. And so, you know, Pochettino, I think more likely than not won't leave mid-season, but maybe they've got a line in for Zidane and they can make it happen. I mean, that happened when uh, when, when Tuchel left, they brought in Poche. So you know, it could happen. But like Pochettino has, there's a lot in this United team that looks to me like something that Pochettino could really work with. I think that uh, uh, the the forward line, except for Ronaldo, looks a lot like guys that he would love to work with. He, well, he knows tried exactly to get what tr- to do with Jaden Sancho.
0: He tried to get Martial, um, you know, whatever we think of him now, but he tried to get him when he was still at Spurs. tried to get
1: Martial for your. Jaden Sancho gives you an incredible amount of of creativity and skill and pressing. You've got a central midfield. Which is which has been defined by what it can't do, but a number of players who are perfectly useful at a lot of things. And Pochettino made weird midfields like that work at Spurs a lot. And all of those guys, you know, can run and press. Even Pogba, there's there's you know, ways you can make that work. He just has some has some limitations. And like again, like you know, Juan Bisaka and Shaw. Those guys can be good pressing fullbacks. Both of them have things that they can't do, and Juan Bissaka is not very good going forward. But, like, Pochettino has used fullbacks who don't get forward very much. Like, he, he's he's used... Like, all of those things work, except for Ronaldo. I should try to make a graph of this, actually. It'd be kind of fun. Like, how little he's doing in terms of pressuring the ball or being on the ball or receiving the ball. Like, all of the things that you could do... Other than scoring goals, he's doing them at a much, much lower rate than anyone else in football. And to some degree, you kind of think that, like, Solskjaer is just like, hey, I'm your buddy. Like, you don't have to do anything. You're Ronaldo. And, like, another manager could come in and ask him to do something. Because at Juventus, he did something. He wasn't this useless. But even if you could get him up to a somewhat higher level... He screws up everything else around you. And a manager has to have to work around that. And I mean, maybe, maybe Pochettino could. Like maybe he would like try to put in some put in put in an air raid, let the team not press very much, try to move it very quickly up to the forwards, get it to Sancho, get it to Ronaldo. You can see ways it could work. But like the the thing, the weird thing to me is how good a fit he is if it weren't for Ronaldo.
0: But I think that's a problem on several levels. Like, I mean, Ronaldo, I think, presents the obvious tactical issues, which maybe there's a level to which Pochettino can, like, solve that, where it's like, okay, you're going to just be this forward, doesn't move much, and I'm going to work around it. He also needs to find a way to convince Ronaldo to sit more often so he is more rested, so he can do more things. Zidane's the only manager who's ever been really good at that. Like, he... like he actually was able to convince Ronaldo to like rest himself when he was at Madrid. So he's got to do that. But the other problem is like, I, I agree. I think a year ago, probably the year he got fired in particular, I think Pochettino would have been a great fit at United and they opted for Solskjaer, which is, they're really just helping us out all over the place up there. But I think the problem is like, I do think Pochettino is going to require a little bit of patience. The next big club he goes to. And, by all accounts, Ronaldo not having patience for Solskjaer. I mean, you know, I know Solskjaer's been there for a few years, but Ronaldo not having any patience of it. I mean, there's going to be some short termism with whoever's the next United manager because I don't think they're going to ship Ronaldo off. Like, I think they're going to see out that contract because there's not a natural landing place for him. And I don't think the Glazers are willing to cross United fans like that. He's massively popular. And then I think related to that, the other problem that we're going to see, and I'm not a PSG follower, so. If someone on here is a PSG fan and contradicts me here, then fair enough. It seems to me from a distance that managing big name superstars might like. I don't know. I don't have a good feel if that's something Pochino's is good at. And I think the returns from PSG, while not a disaster, don't seem incredibly positive. You certainly, he's got all these guys there. Maybe it's just that Leonardo sucks, but like. He's got Mbappe, Messi, and Neymar as his front line, and he can't wait to get out of there. I, I mean, again, maybe I'm reading tea leaves that don't exist, but you know, like he's good. So he's we've never really seen him manage egos before he went to PSG, and you know, I mean, certainly Mbappe said nice things about Pochettino in interviews. Maybe it's other things that there, but. You know, God, managing, I mean, going from having to manage like the, the decaying corpse of Messi to, decay, to the really decaying corpse of Ronaldo, I, that just seems like a problem because it seems like that, that position is going to need patience. So I'm not sure how much they have.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, <laughs> they had a lot of patience for a soldier.
0: I don't know, man. Maybe but they like, will. Maybe they will. But I think Ronaldo changes things. That's the point. Like, I think it's a problem. And
1: the problem is that, like, you know, because clearly no one is in charge at United. And so they've not only been linked to Pochettino, but they also were trying to get Luis Enrique, and they wanted to also try to get Zidane, and maybe Lauren Blanc or Valverde. Like, there's, no one's in charge. If no one's in charge, then Mendes is in charge. And... <laughs> <laughs> so it makes so, like, it's not just a manage, man, matter of managing a superstar, it's managing a superstar whose agent is to a significant degree the club's football infrastructure, and, and that, that's just a completely different problem. Like, I, I, I kind of think, like, with the PSG stuff, like the last manager that was there with Mbappe and Neymar and all of these superstars and c- couldn't really get the results they wanted and couldn't wait to get out of there. Like just won the Champions League with Chelsea, so I, I I would give a lot of leeway to something is really wrong at PSG uh, on, on Pochettino. At the same time, I think Ronaldo is a is a categorically worse kind of problem in yes. both both with his tactical limitations and with what appears to be the structure at United.
0: You know, I have to say the maybe not the exact candidates involved, but the way it's felt with United's managerial, like the way they had to fire Solskjaer and they don't quite know who's going to be the next manager. It's sure what I thought was going to happen to Spurs at some point this year. Like it looks like, again, I didn't think we'd be like with Zidane, but like the shape of it looks a lot like the chaos and the messiness and the way they're sort of, you know, really trying to shoot the moon with getting Pochettino, but it might not work. It's kind of what I expected us to do because If they have to get a long-term interim manager, like I know United can probably afford to get a better class of that than we could, but I think it's going to be nice and ugly for like, you know, there's a reason we hired Mourinho when we did. It's so Kane and Deli and, you know, Son didn't want to get out of here. And that's, again, they're all on bigger salaries than our guys, but it's going to be a problem if they don't get a sufficiently respectable, respectable name in there. And I don't know. I, I, I appreciate United. It just seems to be helping us out one step after another this year. Um, not wanting Conte in particular. Conv- convinced. I am convinced that he took this job because United told him point blank, we don't want you. It's not about that we're holding on to Solskjaer. We don't want you. Which like, thank you Manchester United. You've done us a real favor.
1: Yeah, and this is, this is the other thing with like whether Pochettino wants this job is like you're still moving into whatever the you know the structure is there
0: which is about to change he's going to be the last guy's hire very quickly woodward's about to leave and i mean woodward left this summer but he's hiring (laughs) the next manager like so assuming he actually leaves which is a good point like I don't know, being the last guy's hire while you're trying to figure things out doesn't strike me as a great position to be in. But like you said, they gave Solskjaer so much time. <laughs> so,
1: Yeah, I mean, they, I, I mean my, my opinion is they gave Solskjaer all that time because Solskjaer never gave them any trouble. Yes. Solskjaer told them everything was fine. He liked what they were doing. He worked with them. No one was challenged. No one had to have any difficult meetings. The Glazers kept taking in their profits. Like, that's what they want.
0: So are but they, they ready also for, want to win. Are they ready for Pochettino's passive-aggressive uh, <laughs> snits that he's about to throw for them? How how would you feel as a Spurs fan, like, if Pochettino gets the job now or later? Like, I mean, how would you feel watching Pochettino? I mean, uh, I mean we have Conte, so it's not going to be as bad as it might have been, but...
1: Yeah, I, I just, like... I would want him to succeed, but also not want Manchester United and Ronaldo to succeed, and I'd just be so torn all the time. It wouldn't be fun. I, I want like I really wanted the PSG thing to work as much of a disaster as, as it was like clearly going to be. And it, it still could. He still could look into this thing working. Like they're winningly good
0: now you know well, they're only, fine. He's only under pressure because that club's completely insane. Like putting aside whatever's going on behind the scenes, like the reason he's under pressure is because they're just not blowing the doors off of everyone they play in the Champions League and playing like you know 2011 Barcelona football. <laughs> I mean, it's their yeah. insane expectations that have him under pressure.
1: Right, they're 12-1 and 1 and 10 points up on Nice. Like they're fine. But before we know, hired I, Conte, I, 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 we, I, 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 you know, Mbappe is 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 pouring it on now in the league. So, but I, there was I like a real sense. There was PSG.
0: a there was a real sense because I remember being in the room and we'd be talking on a Saturday and like Ren or someone would like tie PSG in like the 80th minute and we'd all be like, "Oh boy, they're gonna fire him now!" <laughs> like there is this sense that they're not happy with him and it's just. I think you're right. It's just an insane club full of insane people with insane expectations. And you know, I mean, Mbappe going to United, going to Manchester, going to Real Madrid next year is probably casting a bit of a pall over the whole thing. But it's just, it's just an insane situation. I don't, I don't want to see him go to United. Like that was a nice thing about PSG. It's like, yeah, you could root for us. I mean, PSG they suck. It is what it is. But you can root for him to succeed there. It'd be like if he went and go coached in Spain or Italy or something. You're just like, yeah, okay. It's like safe to root for you, Mauricio. Like, I don't want you to go to United where I'm going to hate it or city or whatever. I do think it's like, I I see what you're saying. And there's so many resources at United. And if he's a good soldier, they'll probably just let him hang around. But man, I think that Ronaldo situation is just a hand grenade for like whatever, whoever, whoever gets that job. And, like Zidane, I feel like just because he dealt with him at Real Madrid, and I know he's a different player now, but I feel like he is the only manager kind of equipped to deal with the emotional component of it, which might be the only component of it you could actually do anything about. So I right, don't
1: know. If you can't solve the emotional component, you can't get the guy to either rest more or run more. That, that's the fundamental issue. Uh,
0: but I just don't want to see him at United. I mean, I don't want United to be good, period. But like, I don't know. It's It's, yeah, it's like he's turning into like Rupert from Ted Lasso, where he's like marrying his, I guess we never liked Rupert. But you know what I mean? It's like dad came home, but he's home with his new mistress. And, you know, your mom doesn't like it very much, like her very much. It's just, oh, it's just, man, I don't know. I just would like him to go play, go, go succeed at like Sevilla for a couple of years and then like come back to Spurs when we've like, when Conte inevitably, like, splits because we won't, like, sign Lukaku or something.
1: Yeah, he's definitely going to demand that we spend $150 million on Lukaku next summer. <laughs> That's what's going to happen.
0: Uh, it would be great if part of the reason we... Uh, part of the reason we signed or Conte came to us was, like, we got the stadium money back. Like, <laughs> yes, we are ready to spend... We're not going to get Lukaku, but we're ready to spend some money. Yeah. So what are you just to wrap this up with Spurs talk now that we've turned this in United podcast for a little bit, I mean, what do you expect to see out of the next month or the rest of the year? Cause we're, we're approaching the end of the year fairly quickly. Like what we touched on it a little bit, but what are you expecting to see? What do you think is a reasonable expectation um, to see um, uh, out of the Spurs team for the next four or five weeks?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, like last season, Tottenham, I mean, they, they they finished seventh with a massively positive goal difference and a slightly positive XG difference. And the season before that, which was obviously a, a weird season, they were, again, well ahead of their XG, but like with a negative goal difference. they have got two seasons now in the bag behind them of being basically an average Premier League team by XG. You know, Kane's son Larisse they're going to beat their XG by, by by a little bit. So maybe they're a little bit above average. And it has been a continuing like the thing we've talked about like nonstop in in the chat room uh, that you guys have talked about on the podcast is that this team doesn't have average talent. And yet they keep playing average football. And at this season they were they were below average under Nuno. And like what we want from Conte is to get this team playing above their talent. That's been his pattern over his career. But like what I want to see right now is just like a team that plays like seventh place football, you know, (laughs) like that, that, that's, that's the level that we're looking for over the next few weeks is like, they're better than the bad teams. They're competitive against West Ham and Everton, they don't embarrass you against the top teams like that. That's the level that this team's talent should have them at. And, you know, if Kane or son goes on a hot streak and starts performing at a higher level, the, the level gets higher. But what we've seen from them right now, this team should be playing, you know, seventh ish kind of football. And, and that would be more than enough to say they're moving in the right direction. They've improved from what they were under Nuno. They've improved from what they were under Jose. They're not there yet, but you can see things working. And then you want to see, you know, sometime in the next month or so, I'd really like to have a clearer idea of what Conte's idea is. And, Mm. And if it's just this, more of this with, like, Skip and Hojbjerg and Lucas. And it'll be very impressive if he can make that into a top-four contending team. Maybe he can. Um, but, like, right now, I, I want to start seeing what the idea is. But that I, I expect that to take some time, and the way that he works, it often kind of doesn't exist until it suddenly snaps into place. So I'm not sure how many, how many tea leaves there will be. But mostly I just want to see, like, what we saw like over the course of the whole Leeds game, you know, yes, Leeds second half, like if we could play like that, that'd be great, obviously. But like the whole Leeds game, where T- Spurs were overall better than Leeds, created more than Leeds, were not great, but you know, Kane got his shots, a couple of you know, Reggie arrived in the box, is as, as he is demanded to do, and the team was good. Like, that's what you want to see from a manager just sort of like coming in and and putting people in positions to reasonably succeed.
0: Yeah, and I mean, it would be nice if we could free ourselves from the death grip of Skip Hoiberg and Lucas Mora. And I am not like advocating for any particular player other than Lucas to be dropped, but just some sort of tactical variety. I do think the fact that Lucas persists in the starting lineup proves my point that we could get like, bought by the Sheiks, spend $800 million, hire Pep Guardiola, and somehow Lucas Moore would still be in our starting lineup because he could fool any manager. Like, whatever. I don't know what he does in trading. It must be incredible because, like, (laughs) that man is never getting out of our starting lineup. But, no, I I think you're going to see... I'm more interested to see what we look like towards the end of the month because he's going to have more time with these players. They're going to have more time to sort of get up with his fitness regime and more importantly, I don't think, correct me if I'm wrong, there's no international breaks till the end of January, I think. So nobody's, like, vanishing for a couple weeks at a time or coming back, like, exhausted and needs to be handled with kid gloves. So, you know, I think we're going to start to get a better feel for, like, what do we do with Loselso? How are we going to use, you know, Brian? You know, the other, you know, just, like, some of these guys who have been in and out of the, of the, uh, country I think we're going to just have a better feel for them and how they fit into this team and you know I don't know my suspicion is it might be kind of late in the year before we have a real firm handle on what his idea for Spurs is and even then that could that might change when he gets a whole off season. so who knows but <laughs> I do think at least it'll start to be clear but it's going to be I, I don't know I'm looking forward to Spurs games again which was like like I'm gonna be honest, it's been a slog for a while. It's been a real slog this year. So it's been, uh, you know, like waking up excited that we were playing Leeds was like, like I'd forgotten what that felt like. So, uh, yeah, no, it's good. I hope I hope we get more of this. I hope we put together more and more attacking football. We play Musa. Is that who that we play on Thursday? Uh, Mora. Mora. There we go. Musa. I'm, I'm just. I'm wishing.
1: Yeah, you're m- mix it, mixing up your Tottenham players that are also clubs somewhere. Exactly.
0: Exactly. <laughs> Um. Oh God. Uh. Yeah. So that'll be a nice like as I pass out with the turkey working its way through my system, I can watch us hopefully clobber them. So, yeah, uh, Michael, where can people find you uh, tweeting about squash pies on the internet?
1: Yeah. No. You. You can. Uh, you. You can subscribe at Patreon dot com slash double Pivot for more of my uh, United takes. Thank, thanks for. Uh, <laughs> you know, love to just sit down, talk Premier League soccer. I don't do it enough. <laughs>
0: Uh, yeah, you can always find me at skipjack0079, uh, giving you awful takes about wrestling and Orioles baseball in addition to my Tottenham thoughts. Uh, don't forget to follow us at our podcast feed at WDR podcast and, uh, leave us a review on our iTunes cause we are good boys and we deserve it. Uh, for Michael, for myself, for Brett Rainbow and for Antonio Conte cause he deserves it. Uh, I've been your host, Greg. Come on, you Spurs.